This is the Christian Life Coach Collective, and I'm your host, Laura Malone. We're talking all things coaching, concepts, tips, tools, self-coaching, mindset, faith foundations, and definitely entrepreneurship because I want to support your calling as a coach and help you build a thriving online business with God as your CEO. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Here we go. Okay, so I was thinking I really need to do an episode that is for work-at-home moms, specifically because I have a lot of coaches and clients who are work-at-home moms. I know a lot of my listeners are. So I'm thinking I just need to kind of go through and talk about all of the things that affect us when we work at home, specifically if we have kids. So a lot of the things I'm going to talk about will be helpful for you if you work at home, but you don't have kids, even if you don't work at home. But this de- this episode, I'm really going to talk to you because you're a mom or you have kids who are either homeschooled and home all day, little kids home all day, or kids that come and go. Because even when they come and go, they're coming and going at time frames that can interrupt what you feel like you need to get done for work. So I personally have teenagers that are not not necessarily either driving or they don't have a car, so I have to drive them places. I have to stop doing what I'm doing. Even though they're homeschooled, they don't, or even when they're in public school, because I have one of each, there's a come and go aspect of what my kids need and their timing that impacts what I'm actually able to accomplish throughout the day. And it moves things up and down all of the time. It is one of those things that I have to have routines and flows rather than hard set schedules. And, you know, I talk about the dove hour, which is my, um, it's my time management process that I use. I do it on Sunday or Monday morning to set myself up for the rest of the week. And the, the link to that will be in the show notes. You can listen to the episodes where I talk about it. You can download it. I use that to lay out what needs to get done and the time frame of it. But I still really just operate from a flow and a routine in my day because I have people, I have another job on top of my business. I have a husband who works from home, kids who are at home who need rides places. I'm the mover. You know, it's, there are so many things that are going to move what I'm capable of and what I'm doing all of the time. So even those things, if I know about them ahead of time, I put them into my calendar. So I'm aware around this time frame, I have to make a one hour, I'm sorry, a half an hour round trip to trip to let drop my kid off, you know, somewhere. I, I'm going to be gone doing this thing, but I could work while I wait. So I drop my kid off at uh, Starbucks to meet with her tutor. Well, I'm going to take my computer and I'm going to work over by the pond, grab myself a coffee while I wait for her rather than wasting time driving back home. So I put that into my calendar, but it's all kind of a routine and a flow. It's not a time blocking thing where, okay, I'm going to leave at, you know, 1255 and I must be home by 1232 so that at 1235, I can start the next thing in the next time block. I can't do that. It just doesn't work for my personality, first of all, but it also does not work for my lifestyle. The other people in my life, their priorities and my job must go around them. However, they also have to learn 
how to dovetail and operate with what I'm responsible for in my business, my ministry, and how I need to function and they get things done, they have to also learn how to be respectful of all of that. They have to be respectful that I have a routine and a flow. And so sometimes I'm going to tell them no to what they ask me because I have things I need to get done. And I think that's really helpful and healthy for them to understand that while they are the center of my universe, they are not the center of my universe (laughs) in every way. They are the apple of my eye, but they don't get to rule and reign over all of my decisions. So I want you to think about listening to last episode, one number 166, where I'm talking about some ways to combat distraction. One thing I want to note is that in that episode, I use the phrase on task. I'm being on task. I'm, I'm at, I'm doing a task. And it's something you can implement at home so that you can let your family know that when you say I'm on task, it means you don't have time to stop or talk and talk or do something different. So for my family, if I'm recording, I used to put a note on my door to let them know I'm recording or in a client session. But after a year of podcasting, they simply know that if the door is closed, they need to knock. But before they need to knock, they need to listen. If I'm if the door is closed and they hear me talking, I'm either recording or I'm with a client. And that means do not knock. I don't need a sign anymore because my kids are all teenagers and even my husband knows. So everybody is capable of learning from what you give them direction about. And if you tell them, I'm on task, you go into the kitchen and somebody's like, oh, can you make me lunch? I'm on task. And you can teach them that I'm on task means while I would love to do that for you, maybe, I cannot do that because I'm actually in the middle of something and I'm only in here to get myself another glass of water, right? This means I need you to respect my boundaries because everybody is capable of understanding your your boundaries and keeping them. You just have to lay the foundation for them to walk on, right? And if your kids are younger, then you can create some code words for them. You can make it fun. But if you never clarify your boundaries and you're always letting them being moved, then people don't know that you're serious about your boundaries. So they don't see them as boundaries, including small children. It's not other people pushing past your boundaries. It's you moving the boundaries to accommodate others. When you recognize this, you're going to realize that you're actually the one in charge of your boundaries, not other people. Even small children can be given direction. And you know, I know that it's, it's hard because, but I've been a stay at home mom with my kids. I've homeschooled them while I work for the past 20 years. So I know what it means and I know how hard it is and you're just going to have to get through it basically. But I wish that I had known. I wish somebody had told me what I am not scared to tell you right now. The work I do, it matters. The work you do matters. And while our kids are priorities and their hearts are priority, so is helping them to learn how to respect us and what we are responsible for in addition to them. It's good for them to find this out when they're younger. It actually helps set them up to respect themselves later. It helps them learn how to create their own boundaries. You simply need to learn how to lay a strong foundation with those boundaries, communicate them clearly, let your yes be yes, your no be no. And when it's time to go be with your kids and your family, actually be super present so that it's really quality time. Don't split yourself 
And then when your kids act like you're with your kids, but you're really still working in your head. If you're doing that, then it's likewise on the other side of the coin. You're splitting self yourself while you're working because you are half thinking and focusing on your kids and your your home life. So you have to delineate between what you really need to focus on in this moment and what you don't. And be on task, stay on task until it's finished or until you simply must stop. I'm not saying leave the leave the baby in the crib for four hours screaming. You have to hear me and, you know, use critical thinking skills here. But you can actually learn how to respect yourself enough, communicate that clearly to everyone, and develop some tools. Ask Holy Spirit to show you how, okay? The next thing, you have to decide, this goes back to last episode 166, but decide what needs to actually be cleaned, tidied, finished, in your home and with your kids in order for you to work. Create a flow that makes sure that all of the things that matter to you get done before you sit down at your desk or open your computer or do whatever it is that you do for work. Think about what you're actually going to stop working for. What would make you want to come off of task? And then think about what are the things that you can just tell your mind, that is something I can do later. It does not get my attention now. Make a list of it and get it in your head that you've decided already you can work with dishes in the sink and the groceries still at the store. Like decide that, put it in your head, put it in front of you, write it out, put it on your desk. I don't do that until this is done. I am taking a full four hours today to work. Everything else is done outside of that for those four hours, even if those four hours are chopped up into pieces. Do what you need to do and get done, then move on. And if you learn how to prioritize, you're going to become more efficient and you're going to operate with greater clarity and not be so exhausted at the end of the day from all of the fatigue that you've been chasing butterflies all day long, trying to get a thousand things done, that it goes back to that one tree focus. Get the right tool in your hand, focus on one tree, take it down, move to the next tree. Okay. Uh, Sometimes people who find out that you work from home, don't think that you work. (laughs) They think, uh, well, what do you do if you work at home? Because if these people have never experienced a work from home experience, then they're going to wonder like, what do you actually do? So you don't do physical labor. You never leave and go to the office and work for somebody. So you're not held accountable. Well, you know what? Could you pick up my kid at 11 for me? Would you mind picking up the birthday cake for me? Why don't you come over? Do you have time for tea? Like do sometimes people don't actually realize that you work and your work is valuable. (laughs) It's not everybody, but they are out there. They just, they might ask you to do things for them because they actually go somewhere to work and you don't. So be really clear about your busy schedule with other people and learn to say no so that you can say yes to the right things. And if you think about this ahead of time and you know what you're going to say, then you can communicate it clearly instead of meanly because you're frustrated because it's like they have no clue. All right. Sometimes people who work at home struggle with loneliness and lack of adult conversation. So I recommend co-working. I've said this in other episodes before, and I talk about it in the mastermind, the coaching courses, like go find people who will get on a Zoom call with you or meet you like at a Google meet, meeting room 
and both of you commit to putting it on mute and working. And you can see each other. That way you can hold each other accountable to the fact that you're not doing laundry and you're not going off and doing other things. You can start out the conversation with a little bit of just connection, talk, see what's going on. Maybe at the end of your co-working time, you actually talk about what you did. Maybe at the beginning, you talk about what you need to get done and you actually have an accountability partner who's going to say, did you finish that? If not, how much longer is it going to take you to do it? Why don't we stay on here for another 15 minutes until you're done? And I really like co-working. Um, you can also just schedule times where you spend time with friends and family or make a phone call in the middle of the day. Maybe you take a lunch and you actually call your friend while you eat lunch for 20 minutes. Something to give yourself um, something to look forward to. You can also take yourself out to lunch. This is really key to me. Working from a coffee shop or taking myself out for a working lunch someplace I would love to go eat. Too expensive to take the whole family out to eat at this place. Maybe even get dressed up and make a reservation for a party of one and drink some water. If you can't afford it, go drink some water and eat a side salad. I'm serious. Go get an appetizer. Those servers and the people who run, work at that restaurant do not care. Let me tell you, all of the people with lots of money who have all the time in the world that you're comparing yourself against, that you think like, I can't go to that fancy restaurant for lunch. Yes, you can. Why can't you? No, did anybody tell you you can't? Or you just decided that you can't? I'm telling you to get dressed once a week, take yourself out to a working lunch. And that lunch can literally be less than $20. You can do it. I, I have done it for years because I like going out to eat. And so if you can find a time, there's a sitter, kids are at school, uh, um, dad takes over, whatever you need to do, put on something cute. It doesn't have to be super fancy, but sometimes when you work from home, putting on jeans and a t-shirt and a pair of earrings is fancy. Do what you got to do. Take yourself out someplace you would enjoy experiencing food you would like, eat an appetizer, find a happy hour menu where, you know, there's like a $5 burger on a happy hour menu somewhere and take yourself out. There is no reason not to do this. Give yourself something to look forward to and go talk. Okay. This is something I do. And I sit at the bar because then you can talk to people. <laughs> you don't have to be drinking to sit at the bar. Again, nobody cares if you sit at the bar and drink a club soda or a water or a, you know, Dr. Pepper, it doesn't matter. You go sit at the bar and have a conversation with the regular people sitting around you. Just go be in the middle of the world. Like go see what life is like for other people outside of yourself. And especially if you are a coach, oh my gosh, right there, marketing opportunity. Um, you can actually coach people at the bar, which is awesome. And I do that a lot. I coach the bartenders. I end up actually finding out what other people are experiencing, what questions they're asking, what they struggle with, like, like go find out, make it pay for it from your business account because you're actually doing research and development and then you're coaching people for free and then tell them you're a coach. And if they know anybody who needs coaching, hand them a business card or, you know, tell them to follow you on Instagram, whatever it is you do. Like this is a perfect opportunity and it helps to fulfill that 
loneliness and lack of adult conversation thing where you also, I just say like sitting, putting yourself in a position where other people would naturally talk to you. It is a great way to practice all of the things that you need to be saying out loud to other people. Like, hi, I'm a coach. Some of you are not used to saying that. Whatever it is that you're scared to say, go say it to strangers and practice it. You're never going to see them again. Okay. Next thing is time boundaries. Sometimes when we work from home, we do a lot of things like thinking about work during, you know, at the dinner table, looking at the phone, working in bed late at night. Okay. Sometimes that just needs to happen. Sometimes I do it because I love doing it. Sometimes I'm working on something for a client and I'm just so excited to work on it, or I'm so excited to create a tool for the course that I am working on it in bed, but I'm not doing that if it helps, uh, if it works against my family time or anything else that I need to be doing. If everybody's asleep and I'm wide awake and I want to grab my computer or my iPad and create a graphic or create a tool or work on something, then I can do that because nobody's suffering from that, right? I love it. But if you do that too much or it's causing you to not get the rest you need, it's causing relationships to not be really quality in your house, then you need to create boundaries around it and be really wise. No phones at the dinner table. Like create some rules for yourself and your family so that you have quality time and real focus time where everybody really feels like, hey, mom is present. And when you're choosing what hours you're going to work, choose hours that are best for everybody. Look at the entire schedule of everybody in your household and make the time, like actually choose hours from the week that are good for you to work that works for everybody. If you just stop and look on a one week schedule where everybody needs to be all of the time, everything that's going on, then in general, does it work for you to work from 10 to 12 in the morning? And again, from 1.30 to 3.30? Because it needs to be chopped up. Okay, what if you spend four four hours a day, five days a week. That's only 20 hours. You can get so much done in 20 hours. If you know where those hours are and you know how to prioritize, do the dove hour and know what you're going to be doing when you get to those hours. If you have small children, you can do some blocking where in the morning you are, you have time with kids and then you have maybe four, three or four different blocks of time where you're working. So the first block of time of the day is with children and then set up an activity for them and go do your first block of work and then go spend time with them, get them a snack, then give them an activity and go do your next block of work, telling them I'm on task. Mommy can't do that right now. I will do that as soon as I'm done with this block of time. I need you to work on your own. I need you to go read a book for yourself. Whatever it is you do, however you operate that way, repeat that two or three times. And then maybe if you're in a big season of building, but your kids are little, maybe you do one block of work after they're in bed. Sometimes you can create some specific timeframes that work for everybody. It takes some work ahead of time, but you can do it and also create a dedicated workspace. I have a specific space that is mine where all of my things are, get comfortable, get organized, make your workspace free from distractions. Bills don't go on my desk. That is not, mm -mm, no. Bills are part of home life. 
that does not have anything to do with Sterling and Stone mentoring. It has to do with taking care of my home and my family. So those bills, they don't go on my work desk. They go someplace else. And choose the days that you actually do specific things so that you're prioritizing that one tree focus, having a the right tool in your hand, not swinging at the tree with a bat, but swinging at the tree with an ax means that you actually have this workspace, like that one of the tools, the correct tools, the ax in your hand is actually having a place to work. That's a tool that's valuable to make sure you actually get the one tree taken down, okay? And if you can, clock in and clock out. Find a way to do that or commute. Take a seven-minute drive, turn around, come back. Put on worship or maybe you drop the kids off. Keep driving another five minutes. Put on worship. Pray over your day. Ask the Lord to show you, lead you, give you guidance about your work and pray over your business, pray over your family, and then come home and be like, now I'm working. I have just shown up to work then take off the work hat and become mom, wife, caregiver, nurturer, everybody, all the things hat. Put on that later after you take another little commute. If you don't have to drop kids off, then just drive around for 15 minutes and dedicate your day, whatever. Or just go about, you know, creating like an exercise flow. Um, Maybe you set up the morning with, I, I specifically read the word, for this long, then I, I pray and um, just meditate on the on the Lord or the word that I read this morning. And then I get up and I go, I shower or I exercise, then I shower and then I get ready or I take a walk and then I shower and then I get ready and actually put on makeup, brush your hair, do something so that you feel like you're actually ready to go to work. It's very mental, but it's very, very helpful. And make sure that you've got hobbies, find something to do. Because exercise, meditation, and hobbies, they all reduce stress and increase your productivity. Next thing I'm going to say, sometimes there's ways to outsource things that you need, you need to get done. So once you're making some money in your, in your business, maybe you need a virtual assistant. Maybe you need to find a kid, you know, like a 20 something that can be an, um, a, what is this called? (laughs) An intern. Some or somebody who wants to kind of do an apprenticeship with you. If you are really great at doing something and you find a young person who's like, I want to do that when I grow up, well, invite them into what you're doing and give them some tasks to do that you've created a a standard operating procedure for SOP, or you've created a template and then pass that off to them so they can be doing these things. Again, it's like the boundaries. If you lay the foundation and pass it off to somebody then they can do it for you and everybody is respectful of your time and you get more done. I also want to remind you to reevaluate what you think you really need to get done. So it's important when you are prioritizing, maybe you need to reevaluate what you've prioritized for the season, the quarter, the month, the week, the day. Maybe look at and reevaluate. If you feel overwhelmed, it's time to stop and reevaluate what you've decided are priorities. And the next thing I'm just going to say, mom guilt, it's, it's going to be there whether you have a job or not. If you are a stay at home mom and you literally spend 30 years raising your children and never leaving and being there for them at every turn, at every point, and you are there all in all, 
you're still going to have mom guilt. I'm sorry. That's just a thing. The only way to get rid of mom guilt is to become a mom who has a paradigm where you don't feel guilty about everything. (laughs) That's the only way to get rid of mom guilt. It's not changing your circumstances. It's, I mean, I've been a stay-at-home mom all of these years and I've worked in one way or another and mom guilt is going to come up there regardless of your circumstances because it's in your paradigm. If you believe that you need to feel guilty because you didn't do everything perfectly, didn't give them everything they needed, you weren't there when they scraped their knee, you were late to pick them up from school, you this, 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 that's in your paradigm. That is not in your circumstances. Now I'm preaching to everybody. Okay, so you have to recognize the self-leadership work that is you're responsible for doing because they're not responsible for your guilt. And they remember like the Brene Brown saying, she says, guilt is saying, okay, I have done something wrong. Shame says, I am wrong, right? So ask yourself, are you actually feeling guilty or are you feeling shame? And let yourself, if you're feeling guilty, then just go like, yeah, I was late to pick you up. I'm so sorry. Would you please forgive me? I'm going to, I'm going to forgive myself. I hate the way that you feel, but we're going to get through this. I'm going to help you. I'm going to spend some extra time with you later, you know, this evening after dinner, let's play a game because I really, you know, sweetie, I really, really love you. And I didn't mean to be late, but accidents happen. Life happens. The traffic, the call went long, whatever it is, but I'm going to make it up to you. Okay. Well, how about we go out to get some ice cream? There are ways to just move through. Don't be moved around by your kids' emotions, your husband's emotions. Everybody's emotional needs are not actually fully your responsibility. You have to teach them as their mom how to manage their own emotions. This is actually part of your job. And if you can't imagine, if you can't manage your own emotions, that's what they're learning. And if you think that you're responsible for all of their emotions and disappointments and sadness and anger then they're going to think that's what they're responsible for too. And all of that gets out of alignment. Jesus is your all in all. Jesus is their all in all. Let's go point them and us back to that, right? The next thing, one of the last things is basically, you're not going to hear that you've done a good job at doing your job. When you work for yourself or you work from home, there's a good chance you're not going to hear, hey, great job. That was awesome. (laughs) But honestly, like most of us don't get that as a mom anyway. So then you add, like, you don't have people saying, oh my gosh, you're such a great mom. Instead, you got the complainers and the whiners being like, you didn't do this and you didn't get me uh, the right type of Cheez-Its that I wanted when you went to the store. Well, I got you some Cheez-Its. You're welcome, right? And they're like, but you didn't give me the right ones. I won't eat those. Okay, then you're not eating them. This is my style. So I will find somebody else who wants your Cheez-Its. Or you can be grateful for the cheese that you got and communicate more clearly to me next time about what actual type of cheese it's you want. But I don't hear you over your complaining. Like, I can't understand what you're saying. So you might not be that way. That's okay. (laughs) That's the point I've gotten to after 20 years. (laughs) This is just how it's done. You either say thank you or I will return it or I'll give it to somebody else or I'll eat it myself, specifically if it's bacon. Okay. 
This is paradigm work. You are not always going to get appreciation and thanks and gratitude for any job that you have. This is just life. But you have you can have a job and work for somebody else and still never hear you've done a good job unless you specifically have a boss and coworkers and customers and clients who actually tell you you've done a good job. It's not, again, your circumstance. It's your paradigm. And you might just need to let that go. You might need to tell yourself, I've done a good job. Maybe you need to stop and actually celebrate you from the inside out. Ultimately, a lot of the work about being a work-at-home mom is paradigm work. It's taking what you believe and working through it to give yourself what you need rather than having expectations others should be fulfilling your needs. If that's the case, then you're probably failing at doing it for everybody else because if if they're responsible to give you what you need, then that belief system goes both ways. Then you're going to feel like you're responsible deep inside, even if you're not having these thoughts consciously, if one is responsible for everybody else's needs, then you're responsible for everybody else's needs. Then we're all responsible for everybody else's needs. That paradigm is really out of alignment. You are responsible for you. You are responsible for taking your needs to the Lord. You are responsible for communicating what your needs are. You are responsible for your own thought life, which leads you to the types of emotions you're going to experience, which informs the type of actions you're going to take, that's going to show you what kind of results you're going to get and ultimately the legacy that you're creating and you're going to leave. It's what your family, your friends, all your kids, your husband, your neighborhood, your clients, your customers, all of those people are learning from the legacy that you're creating. And you are a story maker and a legacy lever. So I encourage you as a work-at-home mom, to become someone who leads herself well from the inside out, who manages her mind and her thought life, lets her spirit rise up within her, lets her spirit rise and lead her soul and her body, who is not given to being pushed around, who's not given to moving the boundaries to accommodate everybody, but who is given to respecting herself, honoring and valuing the people around her, but being who she is as a daughter in the kingdom of God and actually reveal the character and nature of God to the world around you through having, um, through knowing how to prioritize, knowing how to have a rhythm and a flow, knowing how to be efficient and effective, knowing it's very Proverbs 31. That's what I'm telling you. And I'm not telling you that Proverbs 31 was this actual woman who did all of these things that Proverbs 31 talks about at once. She had seasons, right? And she was not, she did sleep and she did eat. She's not a real person, but if she were one, (laughs) she, these are just uh, aspects of what you are capable of. Proverbs 31 is showing you what's possible. It's not a legalistic rule set of laws that you are supposed to attain in order to become a godly woman. Proverbs 31 is speaking about a woman to show you what is possible. It's not there to shame you and condemn you. It's there to lift you up and call you higher because it's almost like a mentor. It's like a a proverb that is mentoring you and calling you higher, calling you what into your calling, calling you into your purpose, calling you into your full identity 
of who you're really made to be and you're you are able to walk into this, but you are not going to be perfect. That is not the goal of Proverbs 31. You are made to be in process and need Jesus. And he's there with you through all of this. So I bless you as a work-at-home mom. I bless you as a stay-at-home mom who has a full-time job, just not even you know having a side business or working for someone else from home. No matter what, you are you are blessed. You are your value is more than rubies and gold and silver and diamonds. You are precious to the heart of God. You are precious to Jesus, and He wants to be with you in this. So I encourage you to pray and ask Him to come be with you in your home, at in your motherhood, in your marriage, in your family, in your singleness, in your brokenness, in your hardship and your trial, in all of the amazing ups and downs, the hills, the mountains, the valleys, the meadows, ask Jesus to come be with you. You need Holy Spirit because as a mom, you're pouring yourself out all of the time. You need Holy Spirit to come be your comforter and nurturer. So do not forget to invite him into your day, into your process, into your onto your path. Walk with Holy Spirit throughout the day and give yourself grace, give yourself compassion, And let the rhythm and the flow of your life be led by the Lord. He's with you in it. There is no rule that says you have to do this a certain way or every day needs to look the same. So if you'll begin to allow yourself not just permission to be in process, but forgive yourself for the ways that you have operated in the past and give yourself mercy when it comes to the mistakes you've made and the the way you've been doing it that might not have really good fruit yet, you can just simply decide to do it differently. I want to encourage you, whatever you've been doing, however you've been operating, you can just simply decide to not do it that way anymore. Your brain is, is created to change. Your brain is created to repent, to turn around and go the other way. You can do this and I bless you. I'm with you in it. I love you. You're amazing at whatever it is you're doing right now. And you're going to make it through this season. I really want you to know that and believe it and hang on to it and make yourself a note. Laura says, I'm going to make it through this. Put it on a sticky note, make it like a sticky note on your computer, on your desktop, make it a, uh, like a iPhone wallpaper. Okay. Laura says, My coach, Laura, she says, I'm going to make it through this. Remind yourself and set your, set your mind on the thoughts and thoughts on things above on the truth of God, what he's speaking to you, set it around you in your workspace, put things that remind you who you are and remind you of the love of God in your life, remind you of your identity and your purpose and your calling and his goodness. Have a great day and remember that all things really are possible. You love Jesus. So all these things are possible because he's with you in it. Thanks for listening. And I want to remind you to go jump into the Christian Life Coach Collective Facebook group. That way you can grab all the free tools that are there and enjoy a great community of coaches. And if you found this free content on the podcast helpful in any way, please take 60 seconds to go to the Apple Podcast app on any iPhone and scroll down to give a five-star rating and write me a review because it's the best way to say thanks and let me know you're loving the show.
Have a great one.